This podcast is dedicated in loving memory and for the Loy Nishmat of Fegi, Batrivka and Aaron Kotler and Sarah Kotler. May their memories be a blessing for us. The giving of the Torah is eternal. Rabbi Yehuda Leif Ashlag, the great Kabbalist, gave this teaching on the night of Shavuot in 1948. As we know, the situation in the country then was definitely intense because it was just at the beginning of the War of Independence. This is what he said. When we think about the giving of the Torah which took place at Mount Sinai, we're not talking about a historical event which took place at one time and then stopped and is not taking place now. That's not the case. But according to the principle that once a spiritual event has happened, it is in fact eternal. And all events that seem to replace it are in fact only additions to it. As human beings, we see the very last addition, but the reality is that all previous spiritual events are happening in parallel. So the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai is an eternal event which has never stopped, for God is continually giving to us. And the only changes that have taken place from the, is from the point of view of the receivers. So the fact that we're not receiving the Torah at this, pre, at this present moment as we did at Mount Sinai, is not because God is not giving it to us, but that because we're not fit to receive it. For in order for the light of God to come into any vessel, that vessel has to have affinity of form with the light. That means to have equivalence of desire. The light of God desires to give goodness to the created beings. But since we, as created beings, are created with the will to receive, unless we work to transform it, we're in opposition of form with respect to the light. And that's the reason why we stay separated from the Creator. How can we transform our will to receive, our will to receive for ourselves alone? After all, it is the desire that God created us with. The answer is that in order to help us with this task, God created within each one of us two frameworks, the framework of the body, which is also the ego belongs to, and that framework of the soul. The soul is the aspect of God which resides inside each one of us, and collectively it is called the Shekhinah, the indwelling presence of God. It is the source of our godly impulses, our desires to help each other, our compassion and love for each other, and the desire that causes us to reach towards our heavenly source in faith. For most of us, the desires of the soul remain as whispers, whereas the desires and needs of the body shout. How can we learn to listen to the voice of our soul? How can we learn to give unconditionally to each other and to God, which will bring us into affinity of form with him and lead us to receive the Torah again as we did on Mount Sinai? The first people to discover God were Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And they had such huge souls, such awareness. They're called the Melkava, the vehicle for the light of God. They are our root. But, in general, before the Torah was given on Mount Sinai, there was only darkness for the, world, for the world's population. When the Torah was given on Mount Sinai, the detailed instructions on how to live a godly life, how to come closer to, to God and actually experience the voice of God, the world changed. A new dimension of light was given to all the world through the children of Israel, to all humanity. Giving unconditionally, as we said earlier, is not natural to us. The sages said, I created the evil inclination, 
I created the Torah as its healing spice. As we practice the Torah, we learn and practice transforming our will to receive to that of giving. When we give, we are in affinitive form with God and thus in dveikut with him. Our transformed self can experience God directly. The experience of God directly in our lives is our exact equivalent to our eternal standing at Mount Sinai, in which we actually experience the reality of God. We heard the voice of God with all our being. The Baal Shem Tov states that every single one of us needs to experience the voice of God giving us the Ten Commandments every day of our life. So we need to ask ourselves a question. Why don't we hear the sound of God's voice? Why don't we experience the reality of God in our lives right now? As we saw above, Rabbi Ashak assures us that from God's side there's no change. He is continually giving us the Torah, just as he did on Mount Sinai. So all the changes that we perceive relate entirely to ourselves. We need to ask the question, what was special about the children of Israel that they were able to receive the Torah in the way that God came down on the mountain and spoke to them and they were in a fit state to hear them? They were able to receive the Torah. What was the special virtue that the children of Israel had at the time when they stood at Mount Sinai, which enabled them to receive the Torah at that time? How did we, as the children of Israel, achieve the high spiritual state of being in affinity form with God at that moment that they received the Torah on Mount Sinai? We can learn the answer to this question from the scripture, Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 to 2. This is what it says. On the third month following the exodus of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. They journeyed from Rephidim and they came to the wilderness of Sinai and then camped in the wilderness. And Israel, in the singular, camped there under the mountain. The sages note that all the verbs in these sentences describe the children of Israel in the plural. They encamped, they came, they journeyed. Only one time it says Israel camped there under the mountain in the singular. And of course, they noticed the, the change. And Rashi, the great commentator of the Torah, tells us that at that point, they encamped as one man with one heart. What was it that had changed? Now, it's known that our, the use of our will to receive ourselves alone, our egoism, tends to separate us from each other. But our will to give unconditionally to each other helps unite us, brings us together. So what did the children of Israel do to achieve their unity with each other? How did they reach the incredible virtue of mutual help and unconditional giving? It is this state of being which in fact is the only state in which the Torah can properly be practised and fulfilled. The scripture starts, they journeyed from Mephidim. Rashi asks, why did the scripture have to repeat and explain where they journeyed from? It is already stated that the children of Israel were encamped in Rephidim. It's known that they journeyed from there. But the Torah repeats this now in order to compare their journey from Rephidim to their arrival in the Sinai Desert. Just as their arrival in the Sinai Desert was with repentance, so was their journey from Rephidim with repentance. Ah, here we're on to something. The journey from Rephidim to Sinai was conducted with repentance. And the consequence was that they became united as one man with one heart. 
in a state of unconditional giving to each other and in faith in God. So it's quite likely that they were in the opposite state when they were in Rephidim. Let's take a look at the scripture there. Exodus chapter 17 verse 1. The entire community of the children of Israel journeyed from the desert of sin to their travels by the word of the Lord. They encamped in, they encamped in Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink. We learn from this verse that this was not a random stumbling across an arid place in the desert. They were deliberately taken there by God and there's no water. The scripture continues. So the people quarreled with Moses and they said, give us water that we may drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? The sages point out there were many other things they could have done. This was the generation that had seen the miracles of God in Egypt. They had seen how they called out to God and how he parted the waters of the Red Sea for them. They had had faith in God who led him out of Egypt in the wilderness. Why didn't they simply pray to God? The next verse gives us a clue. The people thus thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and they said, Why have you brought us up from Egypt to make me and my children and my livestock die of thirst? In other words, they're questioning the whole purpose of why they were there. They're losing faith in God and they seem to be concerned for themselves alone. The actual words are me, my children, my livestock. What about the concern for my brother's children and his livestock? Even though this is the literal sense to the scripture, and of course there may be other deeper meanings, there's a clear hint here that the children of Israel are operating from their wills to receive for themselves alone. Some of the sages look at water not as physical water, but as water referring to Torah. And the sages say they withdrew from the Torah. Nevertheless, we can still say they're functioning from their will to receive themselves alone. Moses turns to God for help and advice and is told to strike the rock with his staff and indeed water comes forth. But the children of Israel ask another provocative question. They ask, is God in our midst or not? Hayesh Hashem Bekirbenu Im Ayin. Again, this seems like a crazy question. They had evidence all around them of the presence of God. They had the manna, the clouds of glory. What were they really asking? According to the sages of the Zohar, the children of Israel seemingly want to know which spiritual level of God are they dealing with. The Zohar says Ayn refers to the level of Keter and Hashem refers to Zerampin. But this type of question is not appropriate. The Rabbi of Spinka, in the introduction to his book Imre Yosef, quotes the Holy Rabbi Chaim of Zantz on the verse, The glory of God hide the matter, the glory of kings research the matter. If a person wants to learn the wisdom of the Kabbalah in order to know how many worlds and how many sefirot there are, he wants to know the glory of God because he wants to know how great is the glory of the Lord, may the one be blessed, then hide the matter. Because such knowledge as the children of Israel wanted refers to the will to receive in spirituality. This is receiving the Torah only with the will to receive oneself alone. The only reason why we do the learning of Kabbalah is actually in order to learn how to serve God better. So the moment the children of Israel, who were in a state of heresy, of denial, the moment they asked this question, 
The next thing is Amalek came and fought with Israel. Amalek represents doubt. And in fact, they only prevailed in the fight against Amalek when Moses' hands were raised heavenwards in faith. So what do we see the events of Rephidim being? We see that in the first event, they were looking to fulfill their world to receive themselves alone, first in the physical dimension, and then they were asking in the spiritual dimension. They had to learn that this usage of their will to receive leads them to fall prey to doubt and to Amalek, which they only were able to prevail over through faith in God. And so they did tshuva, they repented. They became aware, self-aware, they had hakaratara, self-aware of their own fallibility, of their own will to receive and their own lack of faith. And they silly did tshuva, they silly repented. I think this is the greatness of the children of Israel at this point. It isn't easy to do complete repentance because it means becoming truly aware of one's relationship with God and how we are responsible for our side of it and wishing to make sincere amends. Teshuvah is raising the will to receive back in line with the other letters of God's name, raising the Shekhinah up to fit the other letters of God's name, yud Hey vav Hey. So coming to Mount Sinai, they came in repentance and they came as one man with one heart, which really goes to show just how whole their repentance really was and how it was whole as a community. They came in the spirit of humility and faith and they'd learnt that receiving for themselves alone separates them from God and giving unconditionally to each other and in faith keeps God within their midst. They learnt that their faith needs to be whole and not rocked by different circumstances, and given to God freely. And thus when offered the Torah, they said, Naaseh, we will do it, because they were in complete faith at that time. They weren't waiting to hear what was in it, what do we get for it, what do we get from it, nothing. They just said, Naaseh, we'll do it. They accepted the Torah in faith. And faith, as we've seen, is the way we give to God. They gave to each other as one man with one heart, and they gave to God as they said, not say. So let's look again at the saying of the Baal Shem Tov, who said a person needs to hear the Ten Commandments every day as he stands at Mount Sinai. This is the conscious space we also need to aim for. For the Ten Commandments contain the essence of the whole Torah itself. And if we become in affinity of form, if we concentrate on our faith and on our giving, we will also be able to hear the voice of God inside ourselves. Listening to the families who lost their dear ones in the tragedy of Meron, we hear over and over again the same plea for unity. But although this plea is being heard on all sides in Israel, the Torah, this Torah story teaches us that we first we need to understand ourselves and where we're acting in our wills to receive ourselves alone, and to understand that this is the basis of our divisions. Until we know this, we can't do repentance for it. And it's only with repentance, both as the individual and the collective, we'll be able to come to the unity with each other and the eternal standing at Mount Sinai and experience God as naturally and simply as the scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 31. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and in their heart will I write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbour 
and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will not remember their sin any longer. This audio recording is brought to you from the Horus School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Yehudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Horus School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.